your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter mike richmond you are listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts coming at you every single weekday monday through friday so make it your first listen tell your friends to do the same it's locked on blazers your team every day in today's episode a very special one kristen peak of yahoo sports joins the program you've read kristen peak of yahoo and now you can listen to her on the podcast feed in the ball don't lie feed check out on the clock with kristen peak kristen how you doing I'm great. You know, they, they before the draft, they're like, we're going to give you a podcast. And I'm like, okay, like, what, <laughs> what are we going to talk about? So, so well, um, no, it's been fun leading stuff. up to it. Yeah, luckily you do draft stuff literally year round. So you got plenty to talk about when folks like me jump on the draft world. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to become a draft expert here starting in like May. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to read Kristen Peake and I'm going to become a draft expert. But luckily you do this literally all the time. You've already been, you know, scouting the next, the next draft prospects this week in Colorado Springs at USA camp. So, um, Excited to have you on and pick your brain about this and the future. Um, you have a mock draft that I read, but you told me you've got another one coming out Monday on Yahoo Sports. So uh, the Blazers have the third pick in the draft. They've got 23. They've got a second rounder. When with are there? Can you spoil it? Who do you have the Blazers taking at three? And we can talk about some of those prospects. You know what? I literally go back and forth, and and it has to do with two. Like what right, exactly. are the Hornets going to do it too? Because, you know, the easy fit is Brandon Miller, but the the next star point guard coming up is Scoot Henderson, right? So do you draft Scoot and try to make a, find a way to make it work with LaMelo in the backcourt? I think it can work, but yeah. I don't know what the front office is thinking. You know, I ran into uh, a, a Charlotte Hornets scout at USA Basketball U19 tryouts. And, you know, I don't bug these guys. I don't, I don't try to get any information from that. And plus they don't know what their front office is going to do. But I did say to him, I was like, listen, if I'm debating every single day back and forth, what you guys are do, are going to do. Like, I can't imagine the conversations that are happening behind closed doors and the phone calls they're taking and, you know, um, they're going to explore every option, but you know, right now I, I, I think I'm going to keep it Brandon at two and then scoot at three. Um, which I think, I don't know if that's different from my, my mock. See, like no, I that's said, what you I had. Go, yeah, yeah. I go, no, I go actually I go last time you did have scoot. Yeah. Last yeah, time you but, did have scoot and Brandon Miller at three, but yeah, but this so, is, this, this could be the smoke screen. You know, last year we, we were seeing, you know, Jabari Smith one, Jabari Smith one, uh, Chet two, Palo three, all the way up to the week of the draft. And then the Vegas line went crazy. And you're like, what is happening? And Palo told me draft night, he didn't even know he was going number one. Like, it's not like, oh, it's not like Orlando promised him or anything. It was like, Ooh, keep a secret. He didn't even know until like 30 seconds before his name is called. So I think we're going to see the same thing at number two with Scoot or Brandon. Like no one's going to know unless there's a trade made ahead of time, right. what the Hornets are going to do. But right now, I'm going to switch it up because <laughs> it's Brandon, Brandon number two and Scoot three. I, I think it is it is like the Blazers' fate, so much of whatever they do is just determined by what happens at two, right? So it's like the, the some of they can set up all their contingencies or whatever, but they're just, they're just beholden to whatever happens. Um, to whatever happens ahead of him. You have Scoot, though, as the second best prospect in the draft, right? Uh, like I do. You, you, you see him as, as the number two prospect. What do you like about him? I mean, we saw it in October. Like, he is one of – he's a dog on the court. He's a phenomenal playmaker. He has an NBA-ready body. He's already been playing in the G League for two years, so he's going to have a step up in terms of being used to the NBA pace and the pacing and, like – or and the spacing, excuse me. And, 
And like for Scoot, I mean, I've seen so much growth in him as a prospect from when he was 15 to now. And that's what you want in a young guard coming up. You want to see them continue to grow and grow and grow every time you see them. You don't want to see this where they plateau, right? And so with Scoot, I mean, he's so competitive. He's got a great group around him. You know, his brothers and sisters are running the show. They're, they're I think it's like the Henderson Five or something. His sister actually like his younger sister retired her jersey and Scoot's jersey. Like they had a jersey retirement in the middle of her senior season and she was still playing. Like she passed him as like the all-time leading scorer at their uni at their high school. So like this just they just come from a basketball family. They're super competitive and like what he projects as the next level is is insane. So you cannot pass on that. I love Brandon and I love his length and his defensive versatility and what he can bring and his outside shooting. But Scoot is just, he's a special player. Can he play with Damian Lillard? Yeah, he, he he's so funny because to me, he said this to me repeatedly. He's like, why do people ask if I can play with anyone? He's like, I've proved it in the, I've proven it in the G League. Um, and I don't have a problem sliding in and being the secondary ball handler. Like if he has to play with LaMelo, he said, it doesn't matter to me. I can play with anyone. He's like, I just want to win and I want to help my team win. So I don't think there's going to be that power struggle, but you know, you look at the blazers and it's like, does it fit? And I think that's right. why we're hearing trade talks. Cause you already have Anthony Simons who they've got a good thing going in the backcourt. You invested in shade and sharp. Like what, what are we doing? Bringing either another guard or wing in, you know, when you're, or I guess Shaden's more of a two as well. Like you can, he can slip between the two and the three, but you know, that's why we're hearing, are they going to trade down and, and entertain talks with new Orleans or, you know, another team that has another established star that they can bring in and maybe someone that's more in a rebuild or wants to be a rebuild team and wants to take someone like Scoot Henderson. Yeah, I think even if the Blazers were to stay at three and they were to take, say it's Scoot or whatever, it's really hard to go into camp with Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Scoot Anderson, Shane Sharp and say, okay, you know, because I think Shane Sharp could eventually play three in the NBA, but I don't think you want him guarding NBA wings as a 20 year old, right. like, immediately next season you hope he can do that in march you hope he can do that next year and in the future but like pegging pegging him to be the guy like okay when when Kawhi and paul george come you gotta guard one of them that's like it, that seems like a bad ask so even if they stay at three and they do end up making the pick which i think is up in the air and i'll ask you about that in a moment like Something's got to give. Like something changes with this roster, one way or another. Their moves are a coming. Uh, and you you wrote actually earlier this week that you think there's going to be a flurry of moves at the top of the draft. Let's let's talk about that in in the second segment. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. They're just really comfortable shorts. Uh, Bird Dogs kind enough to send me a couple pairs of shorts, and I like them because they feel great. They make me look good, too. I'm rocking the five-inch in inseam. I got the legs out in the sun in summertime. I'm out in the garden. I'm in the park. I'm having fun. I'm looking good. And these are versatile shorts that look good enough to kind of, uh, you know, feel like you're not dressed all schlubby, but also just straight up really comfortable. The versatility, the comfort, you're not going to find anywhere else. And plus, you buy Bird Dogs right now. You're going to get a free gift. So go to birddogs.com slash NBA. Get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't, uh, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you. All right. Still chatting here with Kristen Peek of Yahoo Sports. Kristen, you wrote a story on yahoosports.com this week, on yahoo.com this week. Now, you expect a flurry at the top of the draft, a flurry of, uh, uh, of trades with teams in the lottery. Why is that? 
You know what? I, and <laughs> I feel like we start hearing these rumors at this time every right. single year. Like teams are putting stuff out. Like they're, they want to get some sort of like, they, it's, it's all smoke stream because they don't want to tell each other what they're doing, right? So we start hearing these things. But why I believe that this year is different is because when you're looking ahead to uh, the following draft in 2024 and 2025, that there's a drop off in talent, particularly at the one and done level. There's not a lot of star power. Not saying it's going to be bad drafts. Not not saying there's not going to be players. But in terms of surefire hits, like we knew about Victor way back when. We knew about Scoot, you know. And so uh, when you're looking at that, and if if teams want to get involved and get uh, their hands on some of those long guards, like a Men and a Sar Thompson, like you know uh, Anthony Black and and really bring them in and make them a priority instead of like you know waiting hoping and praying next year like what's available who's gonna hit like i think we're gonna see some teams prioritize that this year and that's why we might see some trades and you also have to remember there's seven teams with multiple picks in the first round and they did that strategically because if you're outside looking in and you want to entertain you know possibly getting in the mix and and like I want to say like two to 30, there's value in this draft class. You know, we're seeing some guys late risers after the combine and hearing names like Ben Shepard, like Omax from Marquette, you know, shoot up and sneak into the first round. Jaime Hawkes from UCLA after seeing what Caleb Martin did for the Miami Heat, you know, he's getting a lot of love. So, you know, we're starting to hear those names and there's value. So when you have two picks like Portland and you want to, you know, take either three and then entertain a trade at whatever they are at 23, then, you know, that gives them, that gives them flexibility and room. And I think we're going to see a lot of action. Yeah. And, and I think on top of that, it's like, what is Charlotte going to do? Charlotte seems like they, they, they're going to take a prospect, but what, what if they trade for Zion Williamson? Like, right. what, if, what if, you know, like, uh, but I think three, the Blazers absolutely entertaining trades. Sounds like Houston does not want more young folks. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> stuff on that, but like they're, they're probably ready to get some adults and four could, if, if they were in the top three might be different, but at four, maybe ready to get some adults. Detroit kind of like, what do they do at five? There's that, that position there. Orlando at six has two picks. Indiana has multiple picks at seven. Yeah. There's like, it kind of lines up right after one. Like, I think, I think we know what's going to happen at one. I don't think that. I think, I that think that's the a- easiest pick in the draft. I, I had Jonathan Wasserman on my podcast yesterday and I said, Wass, is there, obviously number one is the easiest pick. After one, is there an easy pick? Because I was thinking like Portland, you know, because you just wait to see what Charlotte does. But then it's right. like, no, it, it's not an easy pick because then you're entertaining trades. You're talking to other teams. And he agreed. He's like, there is not an easy pick in this draft. And one trade, and we know this, can like change the entire trajectory of the draft. Exactly. Because if someone trades up and wants Scoot at two, and then at three, the Blazers are, are torn and they say, oh, okay, actually we like a Ben Thompson more. And then Brandon Miller's all there at four. Okay. Someone might be trading up and say, Brandon Miller was, was two on our board. Now he's at four. Okay. I'll right. throw all the, you know, throw it all in it. It happens quickly. Um, I think uh, one of the curious things sort of about the future of the Blazers is that once Charlotte picks whoever picks at two, they basically have five minutes to figure out the direction of their franchise. It's like the clock's going to start. It's like, okay, what are we doing? Is this, is this, you know, the reboot with, with youth or is this sort of like a build around Dame? And they can't really react until they know what's happening at two. Like there's no reason, they, there's no reason to make a trade. There's no reason to anyone to trade with them. And then like when they're on the clock, it's going to be five. Um, 
pretty pretty intense minutes. You mentioned the depth of this draft. Um, wh- when you is there a, is there a drop off point in that top ten that you see where it's like okay at at certain point here it really does drop. There's tiers. There's different tiers. I would say you know Victor, hello, way up yeah, here. Yeah. Um, Scoot and Brandon are the next tier. Maybe you throw in a Men Thompson in that that second tier. And then the third tier I would do, if it's not a men in the second tier, it'd be a men, a SAR, Cam Whitmore. And then after that, you know, you've got another tier of um, Jairus Walker, Anthony Black, um, Taylor Hendricks, Grady Dick, um, Derek Lively has entered the mix, you know, in that top 10, top 12 range. And then from then on, it just I think it just becomes team preference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, we're, we're hearing Bilal Kulubali's name, Victor team, yeah. Victor Wimbanyama's teammate mentioned a lot just because of what he's done in the playoff run, sneaking into the lottery. He got a, a green room invite, you know, and you got Victor tweeting out. He's like, everyone's seeing that he's a top 10 prospect, but not everyone knows that he's a top five pick in this draft. And I was like, OK, easy, Victor, like, <laughs> let, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But um, yeah, after that, I mean, trying to figure out where, you know, Keontae George is going to go. What about Kaysen Wallace? Where does he fit? Where's Nick Smith? Is he is he falling? Because we're hearing other names start to creep up. And it's not necessarily that these prospects are falling because they're having bad workouts. It's just the other guys might fit, you know, what the team is trying to build. Do you know what I mean? So when I, yeah. when like I'm asked to write, like draft risers and fallers, I'm like, well, I don't really, I don't really want to do Like I'll write who's rising, but that just means that the other players are going to be pushed back and available yeah, for right, yeah. established teams that, you know, can develop them. Yeah. I think, um, particularly after you get out of the like top, top, top tier of the draft teams are like teams think about fit more at the top. It's like, let's just get the dude. Yeah. Like let's, let's get scoot. And if we have Damon and, and, and all that, it's like, whatever, we'll figure out value. You know, let's just get the most value. When you get deeper into that, like, nine through 14 range in the back half of the lottery teams are like, okay, well, how does it work? Because we want, we want, you know, we we want to maximize your fit with this team Uh, this time of year. Like how do teams rise? How do guys rise? Does, does like, do draft workouts matter? Do they, does this stuff stuff matter? It does. I mean, you know, I was, I was talking to some, a source. I am like, how do I, I was talking to a source yesterday and it's just like Jalen Hood-Shafino is having really good workouts. And you hear that and you see teams that, you know, like the Jazz who are going to target a primary ball handler. And, you know, at nine, if Taylor Hendricks is off the board, because I mean, there, it's it's rumored that they really like him. So if Taylor's off the board, do they take Hood-Shafino at nine or do they hope and pray he's still there at 16? You know, if he's right. kind of rising up and having good workouts, like, you know, this is a guard out of Indiana. He started late. He had um, a minor back injury, just like little flare-ups. And, you know, when he kind of hit the ground running and towards the end of the season, he was great in the pick and roll. He has a, a burst and a first step that's kind of sneaky. You don't really ex- expect it. And he's a great facilitator and three-point shooter. So it's like he ticks all the boxes. He has great size. And if he's working out well and interviewing well, then that's that's hard to pass up on, especially if you bring in another guy like say Kaysen Wallace or Keontae George, and he doesn't have a good workout. So then it's like, what, what are you going to do? Like, right. do, do you think the, like the wor- physical workout stuff, like, Oh, he made 17 of 22 threes or whatever. Do you think that has, 
I have heard from from folks within um, within the league this like they try to ignore some of that stuff like in the because it's like just the recency bias. Um, do you think that matters, or do you think it's like the getting the guy in the gym and kind of talking to him, sort of that personal stuff, or how do teams weight that generally? I think it matters positionally speaking. Like when we look at Derek Lively and what he did at Duke. He only attempted seven threes all season and made two. Really shot outside the paint, yeah. yeah. Because because the offense ran through Kyle Filipowski and you had Jeremy Roach, who's a dominant ball guard, and so basically Derek, all he was was a rim runner and a rim protector, right? So then you look back at his body of work, who he was in high school. He was a stretch four playing alongside Jalen Duran, and that's all he did was shoot threes in the pick and pop. So you go back and you look at their Peach Jam run when they won Peach Jam with Team Final. Then you look and see what he's doing in his pro day where he's like in, insanely good in the pick and pop and knocking down threes. And that matters. And so teams will bring him in for a workout. And that's why he's the biggest name in this riser as a riser in this draft class, because that's what teams want. When you look at Dallas and what they need, they need some rim protection. And if you can like Kyrie and Luca expand the floor so much. And so you get Derek in there and he, he has an inside presence. You can't ignore him. You know, and then you add that rim protection like that's valuable if Dallas keeps their pick. I don't even know if they keep their pick, but and can you imagine Derek, Derek Lively and Chet Holgram in the front court in Oklahoma City going up against Victor Wimbenyama like me and Was were talking about this on my pod. And it's like, can we speak this into existence, please? Like, (laughs) I would love to see that. Get the, more length. Let's do it. Yeah, yes. less uh, le- less sort of Jalen Williams taking charges. Maybe he can still take a bunch of charges, but let him do it off the bench. Uh, it's it, it'll be. Yeah, I think the positionality. I think I, I hadn't considered that, but that makes a ton of sense, right? It's like if you want to see a guy who maybe is a shooter, then the workout matters. But if you kind of know, it's like if Brandon Miller he shot you know forty percent on seven threes a game, you got a lot of tape that suggests right. he can shoot. You know, so if he has a bad shooting afternoon, it's like. You know, we 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 have the tape. Uh, the Blazers have twenty three. I want to ask you about some later first round targets. Who you have in their range in the third segment to close out the show? Join us there, won't you? Today's show is brought to you by Game Time, the app that is the place for last minute tickets, like real last minute tickets. Like if you want to go see the Portland Timbers host Chicago Fire FC next week at Providence Park, right now on Game Time on the app and on GameTime.co, you can get in the building, get in the stadium and sit upstairs in the North End for $19. There's also tickets, $24. You want to sit a little bit closer, $22 in that North End. And you want to sit on the east side with a view of the sunset, 7.30 kickoff. You're going to have that, be in that new, newly built east side of the stadium, 56 bucks on the Game Time app right now. So don't, don't worry about the stress of buying tickets. Just use Game Time and snag the tickets without all that stress. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use the redemption code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Still chatting here with Kristen Peek of Yahoo Sports. Blazers have three. They have 23. Who do you like in that range at 23? I'll refresh your memory because this is, you did a uh, Deidre mock draft like more than almost two weeks ago now. Chris Murray is who you had him at. Iowa's Chris Murray is who he had at 23 now. Who do you kind of like in that range for the Trailblazers? I'm leaning more towards Leonard Miller because he's a wing, obviously, and he can stretch the floor. And he played very well alongside Scoot Henderson in the G League. And, that, and then also if they don't want to take a wing and they want to add some size and he's there, 
than Noah Clowney out of um, out of Alabama, who you know is is kind of like he's he's a secondary Derek Lively. He's not as big, but he's a rim protector. He can shoot the three, and he's going to need some development. But you know, he's he'll spend some time in the G League. But he's another name where it's like, you know, if Vic, Victor's obviously going number one, if Derek goes ten. And you want some length and size. Noah's the best available prospect, right? So I think his range is anywhere from 15 to the Atlanta Hawks to I don't think he goes past 23 to the Blazers um, if, he, if he's still there. Now, granted, if the Blazers really want and they're targeting Noah, they're gonna, they might have to trade up and give up that third pick. But um, Noah Clowney is a name that I'm hearing a lot for the Blazers if he's there at 23. And if not, then Leonard Miller is another name that I'm hearing associated just around the league and who I'm talking to. Um, so Chris Murray, sorry, buddy. Like I'm no longer, <laughs> I'm no longer mocking you to, to the Portland trailblazers at 23. It, how do, how different do teams approach sort of uh, the back half of the first round? Obviously you're given guaranteed contracts. You want guys to play, but is there, how much does sort of the upside versus a media impact change when you get deeper into the first round? I think it all depends on if you are already a playoff team, then you can take a risk on a player that you want to develop. Like we saw it last year when the Denver Nuggets selected Peyton Watson with the 30th pick. And, you know, he knew he was going to go there and need some development. And that's exactly what he did. He only he averaged under five points and three rebounds at UCLA. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, what are the Nuggets doing? Well, they they have that room to develop players. So right. you're going to see more of that. And if it's a team that's more in like a rebuild and, and you don't or not necessarily a rebuild, but you want you know what you're getting. Do you know what I mean? Like you you want to yeah. be you don't want to take that risk. Like you don't want to swing for the fences and you just want, you know, um, like a Jaime Hawkes or a Ben Shepard or an Omax where they're a little bit older. They're a little bit more productive. You know what you're getting and you feel safe about that pick. Yeah, that you could say, hey, we we feel the ceiling might not be as high, but we feel pretty good about the immediate floor. Yeah, they can like, exactly. Yeah. Like I they think can Christian they Brown can be, is a relatively good example. Right. Like they they can um they're they're plug and play right away, maybe in their secondary unit. They're going to give solid minutes. You know, they're already experienced. You know, they probably have a few years of college under their belt. And like Chris Murray fits that mold. I don't want to like dig on Chris Murray, but yeah, he's 23. He's like yeah. an adult. They treat the 23 year old in the, in the NBA draft. is like so ancient. And it's like, yeah. Oh my God, 23. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, there's nothing more that the NBA values than youth and upside. So even with Brandon Miller, they're like, and the Thompson twins are like, Oh my gosh, they're 20. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, what do you mean 20? That's not old. I mean, I understand that you want to get them as young as possible, get them into your system, get them with your nutritionist, their trainers, and, and, you know, kind of instill the culture of that program on them. But also, I mean, 20 is not old. Let's, let's the, the 10 month difference that they, that people splice between this time of year between like between prospects is always so bizarre to me. It's like, well, he was born in October. It's like, okay, so you've really value the guy born in January. Great, great, great. Like if that is the difference for your franchise, amazing. But I, um, I wonder, do you think, and I know I'll get you out of here shortly after this, but like, do you think, um, the Blazers, they have three picks what are the chances that they make all three? Uh, even if, what are the chances they just make both of their first round picks? 
I mean, I, it's, I go, I go back and forth, right? Because it's like, depending on what they do at three, I think will determine what the rest of their draft looks like at 23 and in the second round. But I also have to remember, like they hired Mike Schmitz from ESPN for a reason. Like he's one of the best evaluators in the game. And like he was, he's one year removed from knowing who these players are. And I guarantee you, like he already had a good idea of who these players were before the trailblazers hired him as an assistant GM. So, I mean, looking at that, he probably wants to make the pick. I bet he does. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I, I, I don't know. I think everything depends on what the blazers do starting at three. This is where we keep coming back to y'all. So we keep talking about on the show. There's going to be five minutes that determine the direction of this franchise. It's going to be, it's going to, so like, you know, we do the show every day. There is a certain anxiety building with Blazers fans about kind of what happens. But I think at this point, it's mostly exciting because they've got, they're going to have a good option at three, regardless of what they do. And as we, you know, as, as Kristen's reported this week, and as, as we kind of, we've heard whispers from around the league is like, there's interest in the top of this draft. There are other teams that really want to trade in the Blazers will have, they will, they will, I don't know, get to pick their direction, but they will certainly have a lot of options with what direction they want to go when, when, uh, when they're on the clock. But we will have to wait until whatever happens at two to get there. Kristen, if people are looking for more of your work, where can they find it? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kristen Peak or read all my stuff on Yahoo Sports. Next week, it's going to be a lot of content. New mock draft, a uh, new pod coming out. I'm sure I'll do a few features. And then I'll have an ongoing story that's updated every day on the latest rumors and trades I'm hearing about. So... Fun stuff. Kristen does I'm, awesome I'm about work. to lose all sleep, which yeah, is why Kristen I'm does awesome work all year long. Like someone who you know, follows draft prospects is at the AAU tournaments is everywhere. This week is, is very challenging. So reward her for, for 365 days. And plus this brutal 10 day stretch leading up to the draft by reading her, all of her great stuff. Listen to her on the ball. Don't lie feed. Kristen, thanks so much for joining the program. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Kristen Peake for joining the program. Uh, like I said, go check out her work. Listeners, come back next week. Five more shows on Monday. We'll round up the latest mock drafts heading into draft week. That's right. We are heading into draft week. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. We will round up the latest rumors. We will make sure that you are on top of everything. So come back five days a week, wherever you get podcasts. It's what we do here on Lockdown Blazers. So make sure you join us. Tell your friends. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.